Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Interesting, Judas is a part of the same ministry as the other disciples, walking in the same light as Jesus, at the same time living in darkness, completely feeling the love of Christ and yet hating him at the same time. Somebody once said, the blackest kind of hatred only causes the love of Jesus to shine brighter. Interesting, the love of Jesus drew the disciples closer to him. And that same love, are you listening? And that same love pushed Judas further and further away. The teachings uplifted the disciples, and the same teachings drove a stake in Judas' heart. And isn't that the way it always is? I see it here in the sanctuary all the time. I see it in church all the time. There are two people sitting together and preaching the word. We all experience the same environment. We all sing together. Now my soul sings your love no end. I'm in bad voice today. Your love knows no end. Your love knows no end. We all sing the same songs. We lift our hands. We worship the Lord. We all hear the same teaching. We all hear the same word. And then when it's time for the invitation and you give an altar call, you give an invitation, two people sitting together, one says, I want Jesus, and the other hardens their heart. It happens all the time. It happened in the Bible. The two thieves on the cross, you know, one on the right, one on the left. And one of them said, Lord, he looked over at Jesus, probably with last gasping breath. He looks over at Jesus and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the other one said, Lord, get us down. <laughs> it happens all the time. It's interesting. It is, it's a phenomenon. I, I can't figure it out. I can't understand it. How we can all experience the same environment, the same teaching, the same worship. Everything is the same. And yet the response is completely different. The disciples, his word drew him closer. Judas, further and further away. And that led to a hard and shackled heart, which led to greed and disappointment and ambition and jealousy and spite and hatred. And ultimately, you know, murder. Look at verse three. Jesus knowing, look at verse 3, you looking at verse 3? Jesus knowing the Father had given some things into his hands. All things into his hands. And that's a pretty comprehensive statement. It means everything belongs to Jesus. He came from God, he's going back to God. Somebody say amen. He is the highest. He came from the highest and he'll return to the highest. He possesses all. God gave it all into his hands. And I believe the Holy Spirit points this out to magnify the humility of Jesus. He talked about Judas' hatred in contrast to love. And now John talks about humility in light of all things that are given to Jesus. So knowing that God has put all things into his hands in verse 4, notice what Jesus did. 
He got up from the table. Are y'all still with me? He got up from the table. He laid aside his garment. Now, you take a note, you write this down. This is the second time he laid aside his garment. The first time when he left heaven and came to earth, he laid aside his glory. He laid aside his divine rights. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel and he girded himself. Verse five, he poured out water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel. Now, this is the job of the lowest slave. So to go from God, are y'all getting this? To go from God to washing the feet, that's a long step down. For a fisherman to wash the feet of another fisherman is a small humility. But for God, for the God of the universe to kneel down and wash the feet of sinful man, that's an indescribable humility. Now get to see, Jesus and his disciples are hidden in the upper room. And they were probably previously in in Bethany and traveled to the upper room. And in those days, you have to understand, they didn't have sidewalks and and, uh, running paths and bike lanes. They didn't have that. In Israel, you walked on dirt, in rain. And if it rained, it was like walking in mud. So naturally, by the time you arrived at your destination, your feet were dirty. As a matter of fact, every Jewish home had a large water pot at the door. And when you walked in the house, a slave would wash your feet. Well, at this time, listen, in the upper room, there were no servants and there were no slaves. And I do find it interesting that there's no servants and no slaves and no disciples said, hey, let's wash each each other's feet. You know, let me wash your feet. I mean, you know, some, somebody, hey, you know, I'll wash Matthew's feet. I ain't gonna wash Peter's feet because that's gross. He got some pretty gnarly feet. I, no, I, I can't do that. But I'll wash Matthew's feet. Matthew, you can wash John. And John, you can wash Peter because you're the one Jesus loves anyway. So you do it. I think it would have been a really beautiful picture if they were serving one another. And they said, uh, y'all with me? And they among themselves, because there was no slave there. Y'all follow me? There was no slave there. So if they would have said, hey, let me watch each other's feet. But because there was no slave there and because they did not wash each other's feet, Jesus got up and washed their feet. Now, I've read some commentaries on this and, and people are, you know, they, people always want to be deep. Say amen. You know I'm talking to you. People always want to be deep. Why did Jesus get up and wash each defeat? Oh, well, because it was this, that, and the third. Listen, Jesus got up to wash the disciples' feet because nobody else would do it. Because he humbled himself, because he was humble, as well as other things. But nobody else would do it. So Jesus, in our text, what I wouldn't give to have a DVD of this thing. Jesus calmly, in total silence, gets up, walks over, takes the pitcher, pours water into a basin, took off his outer robe, took off his belt, took off his inner tunic, put on a towel around his waist, leaving him clothed like a slave would be clothed. And he kneels down to wash their feet one by one. The disciples probably shocked, embarrassed that they didn't humble themselves that low to do it. Now get this, at the same time, Luke chapter 22 tells us that they are sitting around a table called the triclinium. Are y'all listening? A triclinium. A triclinium is a three-sided table. You've seen it on the Lord's Supper. Actually, a lot of pictures they paint for the Lord's Supper, it's like one table straight across. That is inaccurate. 
It's more like a U-shape or a three-sided table. And Jesus is always in the center in these paintings and pictures and whatever. And Jesus is always in the center. and He's glowing. I don't get that. I mean, you, you can't, you could never pick Jesus out in a crowd. You never could. He did not walk around. Okay, please tell me y'all know he didn't walk around with a glow. With music around him in stereo. And he's floating around, blue eyes, the lights is on his eyes, like in Hollyweird, you know, the lights on his eyes and he's glowing. You couldn't pick Jesus out from anybody else. And that's the reason why Judas, when he entered the Garden of Gethsemane, he had to go over and give him a kiss to tell the Roman soldiers this is the one. Because he looked just like everybody else. He dressed like everybody else, looked like everybody else. You couldn't pick him out. So in Luke chapter 22, they're sitting around the triclinium, the three-sided table, and their feet are dirty, and they are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They're sitting there with dirty feet, and Jesus is the only one, watch this, who will humble himself and get up and wash the disciples' feet. I cannot help but think of Philippians chapter 4, and it tells us, but made himself God, Jesus, of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth. And can y'all read the rest with me? And that every tongue should confess. I need everybody to read it. It's right there on the screen. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Listen, Jesus is the ultimate example of one who humbled himself and took the low seat. And if you are not willing to humble yourself and take the low seat, you cannot become a servant of God. Humility is a requirement of service. You have to be humble. It was Peter who said in first Peter chapter five, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the, to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The one condition of the heart that God will resist is pride. Why? Because pride divides and, 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 and drives a wedge between you and God. Pride destroys nations. Pride destroys marriages. Somebody say amen. Pride destroys families and moms and dads. Pride is one of the sins that God hates. Now, we don't look at it that way. We look at it like, well, you know, pride is, you know, just one of, the, one of the sins, but it's not that bad. I mean, we have our little sin scale, don't we? Well, you know, uh, crackheads are worse than um, liars. And liars are not as bad as uh, homosexuals. And homosexuals are worse than alcoholics. And we have our little sin scale depending on where you're from and what your values and morals are. Listen, to God, pride is, he hates pride. Why? Because if you are so prideful and so proud, you'll never come to him. You'll never get to the place where you think that you, you understand that you need him because of your pride. That's what the Bible says. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Proud people 
are, don't receive instruction, do they? Pride keeps people from receiving instruction. They aren't teachable. We all know people like that, don't we? You know, you tell them something, they go, oh, I know that, I know that. <laughs> don't we know people like that? You say, well, hey, what about this? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've read, well, I've read the Bible from the beginning to the end. I know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. like, well, hey, what about, the, oh, yeah, I, mean, I read that before, and I, yeah, 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 You see, prideful people are unteachable people, and the Bible tells us in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, and a hearty spirit before what? A fall. You know, the Bible tells us to humble ourselves. The Bible tells us to humble ourselves. Listen, nowhere in the Bible, now listen, if you've been asleep so far, wake up. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to pray for God to humble you. How many times have you been in a prayer meeting or been in a prayer circle and people say, they say, Lord, Lord Jesus, Lord, I just pray that you will humble me. They say humble. Lord, if you just humble me. I've been in prayer circles like this where they, you know, you're holding hands and people are like, Lord, just, just humble me, Lord. I just need to be humble. Lord, if you just humble me. And you, you ever like praying with people like in a circle and like they're praying like a really weird prayer or something. And, and they say, Lord, just make me humble. And I'm like, I look at them and go. Sometimes I look over to Elvira and go. <laughs> you know, you make that face. It's like, I don't know what that's about. You know what I mean? Lord, I mean, listen, never, never, never. Listen, I'm trying to help you. I'm your pastor and your friend. Never, 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 no, not ever in your life pray for God to humble you. Because when you pray God humble you, beware, Will Robinson, beware. I am telling you, because if God has to humble you, that means trials are coming your way. Now, raise your hand if you enjoy trials. Okay, because if a hand goes up, I'm going to get my doctor to give you some meds. Okay, something's wrong. If God has to humble you, that means trials come your way. No, and not only that, but the Bible doesn't tell us that we are to pray that God humbles us. The Bible says that you are to humble yourself. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And what he does is he lifts you up or he will exalt you at the right time. Somebody clap your hands and say amen, pastor. Never ask, never, never, never ask God to humble you. Jesus was humble, and so we should be humble. Did you hear about the pastor who was voted the most humble pastor in America? The congregation gave him a medal that read, to the most humble pastor in America, and then they had to take it from him the next Sunday because he wore it to church. (laughs) Copies available after service. And uh, Jesus wants us to be humble as he was humble. And you know, I've heard you, you've heard me say, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are those who think too much of themselves and there are those who don't think enough of themselves. I think of Romans chapter 12, verse three, it says a man shouldn't think more highly of himself than he ought to, but to think what saints soberly. Are we reading the same stuff on the screen? Because two people answer, all right? But to think what? Soberly, as God has given each one what? 
a measure of faith. To think soberly, write this down, means to make a sensible appraisal of oneself. To make a sensible appraisal of oneself. Someone once said the problem with humility is when you realize you have it, you just lost it. Isn't that true? As soon as you think, I sure am humble, you ain't. Two kinds of people in the world. Those who think too much of themselves. They don't think soberly. They think too much of themselves. They think they're a legend in their own mind. Y'all know people like that. I know people like that. They think they all that in a bag of chips. They think they're hot when they're not. You already know I was a rapper, did you? I've been working on this. This is my secret, secret gifting. They think they're hot, but they're not. They think they're all that in a bag of chips. They're a legend in their own mind. They think too much of themselves. And then there are those who don't think enough of themselves. Oftentimes, that's false humility. Well, I'm so humble. I'm so low. You know, I live in a gloomy place. God can't use me. I don't know anything. I'm so low. Listen, don't think too highly of yourself and don't think too lowly of yourself. Have a sensible estimation or appraisal of oneself. Now, foot washing. Jesus is washing feet. People over the years, let me have your attention, have asked me, uh, not so much in the last couple of years, but maybe before that, have asked me, why don't we have foot washings here at Calvary Chapel? Um, if you've been to a church where they have foot washing, I want you to raise your hand. Will you do that? Okay. That's a, that's a good number of y'all. I, you too? I, I've never been to a foot washing. Now, I went to a church uh, years ago when I first got saved. I went to a church, and it was a Pentecostal church. And uh, let me tell you something. Y'all talking, about, y'all talking about the spirit moving. We swing from the ceiling. I mean, I've seen people grab a hold of a chandelier. Swinging, going like, like, like George of the Jungle. Because <laughs> swinging from Shannon, I mean, I'm talking, we used to have a good time. Church was fun. And uh, now I can't tell you, I learned a lot about the Bible, but we had fun. Okay, y'all tell the truth. Raise your hand. You know it. So we had a good time. i never forget this one time. I asked my wife in first service, like, y'all, everybody's in here, and she's sitting back there. I we hear her having a conversation. I said, honey, remember that time we, we went, uh, the pastor, I think I told you about this time, where the pastor said, you know, we are going to believe God, for, I forgot what it was for, but we're going to believe God, and so we're going to run around this church seven times, like the children of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho seven times, and when you get around on the seventh time, I want you to shout. Just like the children of Israel, they shouted, you know. So he says, well, everybody get up, man. Can y'all imagine me getting y'all up and you know, everybody running around this church sometime? All right. Am I, y'all been in church? Oh, and you know. I just want y'all to know I got witnesses in here. I know I'm not lying, all right? And so he said, all right, everybody get up and start running around the church. So we run around the church. I'm like, woo. Yes. Yes. Hey, Ooh, about one, two, three, four. He said, about the time we got about seven, we got around seven. I was like, whew. He said, now everybody shout. I said, I can't, I'm out of breath. 
<laughs> he said, shout. I was like, oh, man, I can't. I got out of breath. We, I mean, we, it was very, very, very Pentecostal. The same church, they had foot washing service. I will never forget the night they said they were going to have foot washing service. And my wife said, well, I'm, I'm going to church. I'm going to foot washing service. I said, well, I ain't going. She said, you ain't going to foot washing service? I said, no, I ain't washing nobody's feet. Hallelujah. Glory to you. I said, no, 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 I don't do that. No, no, not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. So, so they have foot washing service. And, 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 and you know, you guys been to churches that have foot washing service. And, and I, you, know, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, um, you know, some people have asked me, why don't we have foot washing service? And I would say, number one, because it's gross. <laughs> Amen, saints. New people, I'm not this crazy. Really, I, I'm a little off today, but I'm not this nut. So come back next week. I'll be a little more sober-minded. And, uh, but, um, and also, think about it. I mean, come, just think it through. Think it through with me for a minute. Okay, just think it through. If I were to announce to the church that we're going to have, next week we're going to have a foot washing service, and, and, and what's the first thing people would do? Go home and scrub their toes. Right? You would. And if that be the case, that would defeat the purpose. Defeat the purpose. I worked on that all. I worked on that all week. Y'all better laugh. Defeat. I thought that was great. I love that part. I've been waiting all day to get to that just to tell y'all that. Jesus washed feet. It was from walking in the dirt. So if you get a pedicure before you come to church for the foot washing service, you really do defeat the purpose. Because the point is, is that they came in from mud and dirt and walking in dirty streets because they didn't have sidewalks and runway, running bike paths and all of these kind of things. So their feet were dirty and they were always dirty. That's why every Jewish home had a water pot and a slave in it so that when you came in, they would wash your feet. So the reason we don't have foot washing services is because washing feet, listen, washing feet isn't the point of John chapter 13. Say a better amen than that. Jesus is giving us an example. And if you need to write this down, please do. Jesus is giving us an example of humility and service and love. That's the point of John chapter 13. It's not a mandate for the church to practice until he comes. Now, then the question arises, how do we know when something is a practice of the church and doctrine or not? How do we know? Well, listen, there's a rule that you can follow to know what we as a church should practice and what should be doctrine. And here it is. Listen, number one, if it was spoken of or about by Jesus. Number two, if it is commanded in the Gospels. Number three, if it was practiced in the book of Acts. And number four, if it is expounded in the epistles. It was spoken by Jesus, commanded in the Gospels, practiced in the book of Acts, expounded on in the epistles. When we meet those four criterias, that means that that is something that we as a church ought to be doing today. For example, 
Take baptism, for example, and don't forget to sign up after church today. Baptism. It was spoken about by Jesus, commanded in the Gospels, practiced in the book of Acts, and expounded in the epistles. Take the Lord's Supper, for example, spoken, about, spoken of about Jesus, by Jesus, commanded in the Gospels, practiced in the book of Acts, expounded on in the epistles. These four things determine doctrine and practice, and think about it. There's no record of foot washings in the book of Acts, and Paul doesn't mention it in the epistles. Now look at verse 6. It's time for Jesus to wash the feet of Peter. And Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? Verse seven, Jesus said, you don't understand now, but you will later. Jesus says, Pete, you're protesting now because you're ignorant. Someday you're going to realize that I came into the world not to be ministered to, but to minister. Peter, it's all a part of the plan. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.